Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Front Range. My name is Johnny, one of our pastors here. So excited to be with you guys this morning. And if you are new here, we hope that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And uh, I do want to just highlight, Mike was just asking us to talk about what we're doing on Memorial Day. Many of us have the day off. I just want to highlight the reason that many of us have the day off, the reason that this is a holiday for us in our country. We want to remember and honor those who have given their lives for our freedom. And we just want to have that in our mind as we are grilling burgers or hanging out with friends, whatever we're doing. So we as a church just wanted to highlight that and say that we are going to remember and honor those who have sacrificed so much for us. Uh, One thing I want to let you guys know about next Sunday, we are going to start a new series called 10. We are, we are going to celebrate, not celebrate, we're going to study. That's the word I'm looking for. We're going to study the Ten Commandments. Now, you may hear that. You may have seen the card on your seat and be like, are you sure about that? Ten Commandments? Like, man, those old laws, thou shalt not do these things. Yes, and we are going to look at how these are not just laws, these are not just rules, these are actually the core of God showing his love to his people, and they are very relevant to our lives as followers of Jesus today. So we are going to start that series next Sunday, studying through the Ten Commandments. Join us for that. Use those cards to invite a friend or a neighbor, a co-worker. That's what those are there for. Take those with you when you leave here today. Um, Today, though, we are finishing up our series on the parables called Stories of a Kingdom. We have been looking at the different parables, uh, particularly in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is teaching us something about the kingdom of God, the character of God, and what he may be asking of us when we read these parables. And I want to encourage you, if you've missed any part of the series, or maybe you just want to go a little bit deeper, we've been doing this all year long with our series, creating what we've called series hubs on our website, frontrange.org. There's a messages tab on there if you just click on that. There's one that says series hubs. Um, every series that we've done has, a, has a, a, a page on there where we've given you something to read, something to watch, something to listen to, just resources to help you grow in your faith. And so if you have not checked that out at all, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you have no excuse now. You cannot act like you don't know. Uh, series hubs on our website, they are there for you to be resourced and to grow in your faith. So please go to frontrange.org, check those out. Now, I want to start today And ask us to be a little bit honest. How many of us would raise our hand and say that we struggle with pride in our lives? We may have a little bit of pride. Some of us are too prideful to raise our hands. (laughs) My hand's up. You may hear that and be like, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe. But think about like, if you you go out with some friends and you take a group picture and, you know, maybe you hand your phone off to the waitress or waiter. You take a picture of us, and then they take like four or five of them. You get it back, and you're scrolling through the pictures. What are you looking for? You're looking for yourself in the picture. And if you look good in the picture, it's a good picture. And if you don't look good in the picture, it's a bad picture. It doesn't matter what anybody else looks like. Am I right? Y'all know you do that. If it's good, if you look good, it's going on Instagram. If not, delete, delete delete. Let's do another one. How about we get another one? But you may hear this and be like, yeah, but okay, I get you. I'm not really like a prideful person though. Like I wouldn't say that I'm prideful. That's, that's reserved for other people. Like when you think of prideful people, you might think of like a celebrity, a politician, a billionaire CEO who blows up rockets and buys social media companies for a living. Um, some of y'all got that. You'll think about it. You'll Google it later. You, you may... You may think of those kinds of people, and yet I think 
that all of us have pride somewhere in our hearts, somewhere deep down inside that drives how we live, how we act, how we think. And pride is so destructive. It is insidious and hidden in many ways, and yet it is so destructive in our lives. I have seen pride destroy marriages, relationships, churches, relationship with God. I've seen pride kill and destroy in so many ways, and it hides deep inside of us. And the parable that we're going to look at today is Jesus looking at us, each of us, directly, individually, and saying, I need you to deal with the pride that might be in your heart. And honestly, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you, I don't like this parable. It's my least favorite parable. I actively dislike this parable because it's offensive to me. I don't like it. Look how the Gospel of Luke starts this parable. It just right off the bat, I don't like it at all. If you've got a Bible, Luke chapter 18, we're going to start in verse 9. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screen. We'd also love to get you a Bible. You can just drop by the Blue Connections tent in the courtyard, just swipe one from out there. Luke chapter 18, look at the way that the Gospel author here starts this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Wow. Just Right off the bat, what's this parable about? Well, it's to those who are confident of their own righteousness and they look down on everyone else. That hurts. Because I, I think I'm pretty good. I like righteousness. I like to live right. And so I hear this, I'm going, what, is it wrong to be a righteous person to do the right thing? Or um, maybe it's the second part of this that I don't really want to pretend I'm reading there where it says looking down on everyone else. Maybe that's the part. Like, maybe, maybe I read that and I feel like Jesus is speaking to me before I've even read the parable and that's what's so offensive. But let's look at what Jesus actually says because he's going to the heart here and he's exposing pride. And what we want to look at today is how, how pride might be in our hearts and how we're living, but also the opposite of pride, um, humility. Pride is when we are thinking of ourselves too much. We think too highly of ourselves. We make ourselves the focus of our attention. And humility, the opposite, will lead us to the joy and peace that we long for in our lives. So let's read what Jesus says as he's teaching this parable. Again, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looking down on everyone else, that might be me this morning. Verse 10, Jesus says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, if we sat with Jesus 2,000 years ago and we heard him say that, we would go, oh, I know where this is going. Okay, this tax collector and this Pharisee, I know exactly who the hero is and who the villain is. Now, we today, we have a mindset of Pharisees as the bad guys. Like, they, they're the ones that had Jesus crucified, so we have in our minds that. But if you sat with Jesus at this time, the Pharisees would have been the good guys. They were the holy people. They were the ones doing all the right things, following God in all the right ways. And you would have heard Jesus comparing a Pharisee to a tax collector, and you would have gone, oh, I know the tax collector's the bad guy. These collaborators with the Roman government who are taking taxes and they're taking more off the top to line their own pockets, the wealthiest of the wealthy, they are the villains in this story. Surely that's where Jesus is going to go with this, but that's not what he does. Verse 11 the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. 
Now, again, this guy is doing all the right things. He's generous. He's tithing. He's fasting twice a week, which was not required. He was extra holy. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And again, if you sat with Jesus at this time, you would hear this and go, he should be asking God to have mercy on him. Maybe he'll turn his life around. Maybe this tax collector will finally stop robbing our people and stop sinning, and maybe he'll turn and actually follow God. Look what Jesus says, though. Verse 14, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This would have been shocking to the original people hearing this parable. It would have been so completely foreign to them for Jesus to have said, this tax collector went home justified, declared righteous before God, and yet the Pharisee, the holy guy, was not. This was a completely upside-down way of viewing who was worthy of God's blessing and his love. The religious people were supposedly doing all of the right things, following all the rules. They were supposed to be the ones that God loved not the guys taking advantage of God's people, not the ones who were robbing the Israelites. There was so much judgment and so much categorization. We know who is good and who is bad, and yet we look in this parable and Jesus says this Pharisee who saw himself as better than other people was dealing with pride, and he did not go home justified. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, I think many of us could see that we tend to have the same attitude today. It's not so different for us. I mean, think of the people that you might think you're better than, that you think are so different and not deserving of God's love. Here's, a, here's a, just a tiny little key to figure out who that is. They probably live differently than you, act differently than you, and sin differently than you. We tend to put those people in a box and go, God loves these people and not these people who are doing this thing. And yet when we look at this parable, Jesus points to something deeper. Jesus points to something in our hearts. But, all right, wait, pause. Am I saying that it's wrong to do the right things? Because we look, we look at this Pharisee, he's living the right way, he's tithing, he's fasting, he's following God. Am I trying to say that it's wrong to do the right thing? Not at all. I am a rule follower. I do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. When I wake up in the morning, I make sure that I drink a glass of water before a cup of coffee because you got to get hydrated. Don't ask me about my water consumption throughout the rest of the day. That doesn't matter. I do the right thing in the morning. I make sure that the toilet paper goes over the top, not under, because that's the right way to do it. And you're wrong. You're wrong if you do it the other way. It doesn't matter. Uh, the thermostat, it's set where it needs to stay, and you don't touch it because it's the right temperature. Some, some heat coming out. Maybe my right way to do it is not the right way, but you hear what I'm saying. There is a right way to do things, and I do things the right way. So it's not that doing the right thing is wrong. Jesus, again, he's pointing to something deeper, something in the attitude, something in the heart. He was trying to get us to look past the surface, past the good deeds to how we approach God in our hearts. And that was the shocking thing about this parable. Here's the main point of the parable. 
God justifies the humble and humbles the proud. God justifies the humble and humbles the proud. Verse 14, Jesus said, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The two men in this parable, they came from different backgrounds, different professions, different walks of life, different devotion to God. But the only thing that actually mattered is the condition of their heart and how they approached him. One man is convinced that his good deeds are so good that he should feel better than other people. He's so blinded by his pride that he's thankful for it. He thanks God that he's not like other people. But the tax collector, he approaches God with a broken spirit and an awareness of his brokenness. And Jesus says that he went away justified because of that brokenness and that humility. The tax collector isn't trying to pretend that he's better than he is. He knows the mistakes that he's made, and those mistakes make him aware of the distance between him and God that's been created by his sin. This is a man who is well aware of his need for mercy and grace, and to the best of his ability, he's trying to live in humility and not thinking too highly of himself. Pride, again, is when we make ourselves the focus the focal point of our lives, and we get a warped view of our own importance, both too important and not important, not important enough. We can go opposite directions, and it's all pride because we make ourselves the focus. And I don't want you to hear that as we talk about this, that you have to think less of yourself or talk about yourself like you're the scum of the earth. That's not it at all. If we're going to come out of our pride and live in humility, it means that we simply have a correct view of ourselves. You have a healthy awareness of your sin and your value. The mistakes that you've made and the fact that you are made in the image of God and he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. The opposite of thinking too highly of yourself is not thinking less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. And this is good news for us. When we look at this man, the focal, the focal point of his prayer was not himself, not like the Pharisee who said, thank you, God, that I'm so good. No, this man's focus was on God. God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And this is good news for sinners, for all of us who have made mistakes, because it shows us that we can come before God broken and aware of the mistakes that we've made and cry out to him for salvation. And he says, yes. Yes, Jesus says that man walked away justified and it is the same today for all of us. To come before him and say, I need you. I need your help. I've messed up. Save me. Change me. Help me. And God goes, yes, exactly. Jesus says that the humble will be exalted, meaning that you'll be raised up and elevated. That means that you'll be pulled out of the pit that your sin has created. And when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see the mistakes. He sees the cross. He sees the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf, and he loves us. And he pours out his blessing on us. And yet, I want to be like that tax collector, and I want to pretend that I'm not like the Pharisee, and yet I know that I really am in a lot of ways. I want to just read that and go, yeah, man, that, was, that guy was so bad. He, was, he had it messed up. He was so off the mark, and yet I know that that's how I act, that I'm better than other people sometimes. Here's the funny thing. God doesn't let me get very far in my pride before he, he serves me humble pie. 
Um, you may be like me where you found those moments in your life where you go, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was messed up. I had a situation a couple of years ago. I was hanging out with some friends. I hadn't seen them in a couple of years. Um, and the husband in this family, he's become a little bit of a celebrity. He's gotten some notoriety. And so I was chatting with his wife, just catching up. And uh, he was off doing something else. And I saw this line begin to form to talk to him, to meet him. And I started joking with his wife. I'm like, this is ridiculous. He's just a, he's just a guy. And so I start to make fun of the people who are starting to line up to talk to this guy. I'm, and I'm like really laying in on like, oh my gosh, it's so-and-so. I can't believe it. I'm not proud of this, by the way. And so I'm, I'm talking to his wife. I'm making fun of this. And I kid you not, out of the corner of my eye, the guitar player for one of my favorite bands walks by. <laughs> I ran. I ran to talk to the man. I excused myself from the conversation and ran to him. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a huge fan. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And we had this lovely conversation. And I turned from the conversation, and it was like God hit me in the gut. And I just, oh, huh. Yeah, I just did the thing I was making fun of people for, wasn't I? And it was, it was an immediate moment of God going, hey, son, check yourself. Because I was laughing at these ridiculous people for doing this ridiculous thing that I would never do except then. That happens to me all the time. Driving, I judge people driving, and then I'll do something really dumb driving and be like, oh, sorry, I'm not as perfect or as good as I thought I was. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> James chapter 4, verse 6 says that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Let that verse sit on you for a second. God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. This means that he resists, he sends judgment upon the proud. This verse tells us it is possible, this was written to Christians, it is possible to be a follower of Jesus and yet have God be opposed to the way that you're living. That ought to scare us. It scares me. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life in a way that God goes, I'm sorry. I can't go with you. I can't bless you. I can't, I can't follow you there. I'm sorry. Your pride is too much. I don't want to live that way. So if you're like me and we're looking at this parable and we're talking about these issues and you feel like, oh man, there might be a little bit of this going on. What do we do? How do we dig up the pride in our hearts and live in humility? That's what we're going to talk about here. The first thing that we need to know is that humility begins with gratitude. Humility begins with gratitude. The Pharisee's great mistake in this parable is that he doesn't recognize God as his source. He thinks he's been good enough to earn his blessings. And that kind of pride robs you of gratitude for God. You cannot be grateful to God when you think you deserve what you have and you've earned it because of your hard work and your good deeds. The result of that kind of pride is a lack of love for God and other people because you think that you've earned it and that God hasn't had a role in it. And, oh, yeah, I'm so blessed. But then deep in your heart, you think, I've earned what I have. Man, it goes so deep. The antidote to that kind of pride, in my opinion, is to cultivate true gratitude in our lives so that we are reminded of the source of our blessings. Gr gratitude will keep you grounded and aware of your need for God. It reminds you that you're no better than anyone else. And the only, re the only reason you have any blessing in your life is because of the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God. 
Anytime I found myself feeling like I'm owed something or I deserve something, I end up drifting into prideful thoughts, words, and actions. So how do we cultivate that gratitude? If humility begins with gratitude, how do we cultivate that? Here's some tips. First, remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. If you've given your life to Christ and you've trusted him for salvation, you've got a story like the tax collector. A moment when you realized that you were lost in sin and you needed a savior. What can happen if we're not careful? The longer we go as followers of Jesus, we start out as the tax collector and we eventually become the Pharisee the further we get from that moment of grace. Because we forget, we forget what it was like to be lost in our sin and in need of a savior. And so we have to be intentional about remembering where we came from so that we don't become judgmental, angry, and bitter when we forget about how good God has been to us and what he's brought us out of. We can start to believe our own hype that we've got a handle on this whole, this whole thing, and we start leaning on our good deeds and our effort and our, our things that we do to make us feel more righteous. Meanwhile, God the whole time is trying to get our attention lovingly and kindness trying to remind us, trying to humble us, trying to help us humble ourselves. Hey, you're not as good as you think you are. Remember, remember I saved you. Remember, you needed me. And so we have to, we have to rem remind ourselves and remember where we came from. And if you struggle with this, like I do, if you struggle with gratitude and looking for something to be grateful for, think of the cross. If you have nothing else nothing's going right, nothing's going well, and you can't figure out what to thank God for, thank him for the cross. We're told, Paul told us in Philippians chapter 2, to have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It is impossible to stay arrogant when standing next to the cross. You cannot stand next to the cross in your life where Jesus bled was tortured, could barely catch his breath, and gave up his spirit for our sins. You cannot stand next to the cross and remain arrogant and prideful. And so what we have to do is stay next to the cross. We have to stay in our hearts and in our minds and in our actions and in the way we live our lives. We have to stay next to the cross to remind ourselves where we came from and what Jesus did for us so that we can never grow beyond where Jesus hang and bled and died for us to think that we've become better or that we've earned it or that we've been good enough. Remember where you came from, follower of Jesus. Remember what Jesus did for you. Stay next to the cross. That's how we can begin to cultivate gratitude in our lives. The next thing that we can do is to develop daily rhythms. Develop daily rhythms. If we're going to get anywhere, in this fight against pride in our lives. We need rhythms, and we need them every single day. This won't shock you coming from a pastor, but reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, 
individually and corporately together with other believers, it's, it's the foundation for this. Daily rhythms of being in God's word, remembering the story of God, what he's said and done for his people, for us. Everything I just said about the cross every single day. Reading, studying, hearing the story of God, spending time in prayer with him, worshiping together. It reminds you and it keeps you grounded in what God has done for you. There's also daily rhythms that you can do, like like writing out or recording the things that you're grateful for. This has been something that I've been doing over the last couple months. I got this journal. Um, I had a different one that I filled up over a couple of weeks, and I've just been using this. There's space in here every single day to write out prayer requests, things that I'm reading in Scripture, and there's a little box, and it's the hardest part for me every day. There's a box that says, write out three things that you're grateful for. Every single day, I sit down with this thing, and I have to go, okay. Let's see. Uh, I slept. I slept well. Okay. Yeah, we'll write that. Uh, coffee's good today. Yeah. <laughs> Everything I said about if you can't if you can't think of anything, just think of the cross. There are so many days that I have to do that. But every single day, raising your focus from the issues and the problems and the fears and the anxieties of life, and setting your mind on things above and looking to Jesus. Every single day will help you develop gratitude, which will then fuel your humility. It reminds you of God's blessing. 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, here we go again, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. There's that statement again. God opposes the proud. Peter says here, clothe yourselves in humility. He's framing it as this idea of we have to put something on. It's like clothing. We are to clothe ourselves in humility. That is an active rhythm that may not feel natural for many of us. Think of an article of clothing that you don't wear very often. Something that is just hanging up in the closet. You pull it out for special occasions. Think about how weird that would be for you to put that on every single day. For me, it is this jacket. <laughs> My friends in the room have been like, he's really dressed up today. Like, what's going on? Because if you know me, I'm a t-shirt and flannel guy. This jacket, this jacket only comes out when we are marrying, burying, or celebrating a resurrection. Uh, that's typically the only way this happens. But here's the thing. Even if you know me well, when, when the lights first came up today, you thought, huh, jacket, interesting choice. The longer I've talked, the less you've noticed it. It's become more natural. It's become something that just exists, hopefully, unless you've been looking at my jacket all morning, which is weird. Um, that's how it is when we clothe ourselves in humility. You become more comfortable. You become more confident in the article of clothing that you've put on because it becomes more natural. That's what Peter's trying to point to here. Clothe yourselves in humility in a way that it becomes natural, that it just becomes part of your style. Let humility be part of your style. We gotta remember where we came from. We gotta develop daily rhythms. And finally, we need to invite friends to keep us humble. Invite friends to keep you humble. One of our values here at Front Range is authentic community. And it means more than just coming on a Sunday, having surface-level conversations, or even joining a community group, but never actually talking about what's going on in your life. There are ways of being connected and engaged, but not actually being authentic. That authenticity is the key here. To be able to sit with people and go, I am struggling. Or 
what this is actually about, inviting those people to point out when you're struggling and you may not even know it. Inviting people, giving them space and permission to say, hey man, something seems off. That's not you. The way you're talking about that other person, it seems like you're really angry or bitter. Like, it seems like something's going on there. We have to have people like this in our lives. People that we not only just like, oh yeah, I'm in community. No, someone that you actually say, hey man, I want you to know you have my permission to call me out. You have my permission to point out the areas of my life in love, in kindness, in grace, the areas where I may be missing the mark. Otherwise, pride is so blinding, we'll never even see it. Unless God gets our attention, we need people around us to go, hey, I love you, and I think you're off here. Many of us may need to have a conversation this week with our community group or join a community group or invite some of your friends around you. Just say, hey, the message was about pride, and I just want you guys to know I don't want to live that way. So if you see me drifting into that, if you know an area of my life where I am super prideful and looking down on other people because I think I'm better than them, help me. Help me in that area. Some of us need to work on remembering the story of God's grace in our lives, what he's done for us and where we've come from. Some of us need to work on our daily rhythms, getting in scripture and in prayer and worship and developing gratitude clothing ourselves in humility. Many of us may need to make some space to just sit with God, to process what he's saying to us, what he's calling us to do. Some of us may need to have conversations with our friends this week. To me, gratitude is the foundation. It's the key to living in greater humility and not looking like the Pharisee in that parable. Because we read that and we just go, man, that guy just seems so off. And yet God's going, you kind of act like him sometimes. And so to get there, to, to not be that guy, to be more like the tax collector, we may need to take some steps to be able to come to God and go, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, to take up our cross as Jesus calls us to do, to deny ourselves, to follow him in humility and asking for his forgiveness and his grace in our lives. What's God asking you to do today to live in greater humility and root out the pride in our hearts? Listen to what he's saying and make a plan to act on it. Let's pray. God, I thank you this morning. Not that I'm better than anyone else. Not that I'm good or I do the right things. I thank you for your grace and I thank you for your mercy. God, I'm reminded of where you saved me, what you saved me from. Many of us in this moment, God, we may want to reflect on our testimony and the moment that we cried out to you and said, God, I need your help. Lord, remind us, if we've forgotten, if we've uh, drifted into a place where we think we've earned something, remind us of where you brought us from, God. Remind us of how good and awesome you have been to us. And in this moment, maybe there are those who are coming today who may be a little bit like that tax, coll tax collector. You, you came in looking for something, looking for hope, looking for life, looking for love and mercy and grace and hope. And I want you to know that you're home, that God welcomes you home into his loving arms. And I want to give you an opportunity 
to cry out to him, to ask him to save you. And I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to come forward or any of that. As everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, it's a moment just for you, if that's you in this moment. Maybe you're coming to Jesus for the first time. You've tried to live life on your own. You've tried to do it your way and you've realized it's not going to work that way. Or maybe you made a decision to follow Jesus years ago and things have gone off the rails and you want to come back home. This is your moment to cry out to God and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's all it takes. And if that's you this morning, again, everybody's eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. I would love to pray that prayer with you. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, we come before you. We just raise our hand to you. Say, God, that's me. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I need to trust you for my salvation. And God, I'm thankful that Jesus paid the price for my sins on the cross. He died a death he did not deserve for me. And in this moment, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I want to follow you. I want to turn from my sins and the ways that I've been living and follow you and do what you've called me to do, God. Help me cultivate humility and gratitude in my heart and in my life so that I will always look upon you in awe of who you are and what you've done for me. We praise you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.